Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 14. As per usual, we will go through that was the week that was. I've got some Petey's points and a new feature today, periodic feature, depending on how many questions I get. Going to open up the mailbag. Got a few questions via Twitter, so I will answer those. And then our friend of the program today, uh, familiar to a lot of people in Memphis, if uh, you were following the Grizzlies via The Athletic, Omari Sankofa, who wrote for The Athletic last season in Memphis and has since transferred to the Detroit Free Press to be closer to home. Uh, He will talk about the upcoming game with the Detroit Pistons. We'll talk about the Blake Griffin trade saga. Will they trade him? Will they buy him out? And what's going on in Detroit? So he's our friend of the program today. We'll tell you now that the Grizz Weekly Grind is brought to you by the Youth Athletic Foundation. Its mission is to assist student-athletes in developing a strong work ethic through discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Their goal is to help youngsters understand the importance of working hard to be the best they can be on the court, in the classroom, and in the community. The YAF has donated millions of dollars to charities, families, local high schools, and youth sports programs. We hope that you'll support the Youth Athletic Foundation. Mike Miller the centerpiece of that foundation. He and his wife, Jen, have done remarkable work in the Memphis area supporting youth athletics. All right, Grizzlies have played three since our last visit, one and two in that time period. Let's get to That Was the Week That Was. Well, last Friday, Grizzlies... uh, starting a Western road trip against the Los Angeles Lakers. And the first quarter, Lakers uh, apparently didn't know what time the game was going to start. Either that or they were incredibly disinterested in playing. And that plus the Grizzlies came out and played fantastic basketball. Got out to a 22-2 lead early in this ballgame. Led after one quarter, 31-16. to But then the Lakers started to climb their way back into it. They dominated the third quarter. 41-23, the Lakers outscoring the Grizzlies. And then LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you've heard Brevin and me talk about stars needing to be stars. Well, their stars were stars. LeBron James, 28 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds, couple of steals. Anthony Davis, a remarkable 35-point game. And why do I say it was a remarkable 35-point game? Simply because he only went to the free-throw line four times. We've seen games where Davis can go to the line 10, 12, 15, even 20 times but only went to the line four times, hit 16 of 27 shots, finished with 35 points. Kyle Kuzma, who's an interesting case because he's gone from being a good player on a bad team where people thought he might be an ex-superstar. He's he's evolved into a very solid role player and playing some good basketball right now. He finished with a double-double, 20 points and 10 rebounds. This was a game where the Grizzlies got very little from their bench. Desmond Bain remained... uh, Away from L.A., he was actually in in Indiana. His grandmother had passed away, and his grandmother raised him, so Desmond staying back for the funeral was not there. Brandon Clark and Anthony Melton were also out due to injury. So the Grizzlies had a very, very short bench and uh, came up with just 20 points off their bench. Xavier Tillman had eight. And other than that, it was, uh, it was a struggle for the Grizzlies. Uh, the Laker bench was very, very good. Like I said, Kuzma had a dozen uh, had 20, rather, and Montrez Harrell, 14-10 and 10 off the bench for the Lakers, who improved to 21-6 and six with what was then a seven-game winning streak. Grizzlies got a 22-point, 10-assist, one-turnover game from Ja Morant. Uh, Grayson Allen, season-high 23 from him, 6-10 of 10 from downtown. That was a bright spot for the Grizzlies. 
even though the Grizzlies shot 12 of 29 from three and the Lakers just six of 30. Uh, Lakers had it all their own way, particularly, as I said, in the second half. Third quarter was decisive, and the Lakers go on to win at 115-105 to in the first game of a two-game Western road trip. Grizzlies then come back on Sunday, and they take on the Sacramento Kings at Golden 1 Center, where the Grizzlies have really, really struggled. In fact, hadn't won there since New Year's Eve of uh, 2017. And so that was uh, something that, uh, you know, settles on the mind a little bit. Sometimes you go to buildings where you just don't seem to have a whole lot of success. But uh, the Grizzlies got off to a lead here. 30 to 22 after one quarter, and they were able to hang on 124 to 110. Uh, this was a great overall effort by the Grizzlies. They shoot 53% from the floor. Uh, didn't try a whole lot of threes, but still shot 43% on nine of 21. Grizzlies dominant on the glass. The real decisive factor in this one Grizzlies coming up with 10 steals and forcing 16 turnovers for 24 points. And also a great defensive effort on Buddy Heald. Uh, Buddy Heald was held to just 8 points on 2 of 10 shooting and 1 of 8 from 3. De'Aaron Fox still got his, 23, with 9 assists, but he had to go to the free throw line 11 times to get to that total. Tyrese Halliburton, this is a guy, he may not win Rookie of the Year because Lomelo Ball right now is doing some incredible things, but Tyrese Halliburton, this has been a real find for the Sacramento Kings. They should be very, very happy with his play. 22 points, 4 assists, and 4 rebounds and a couple of steals in 31 minutes off the bench. Great game for him. Corey Joseph had his best game of the season off the bench, but the problem was Harrison Barnes only gave you eight, but he healed only uh, eight as well, and the Grizzlies did had one of their better defensive efforts against a primetime scorer like Buddy Heald, although Sacramento did end up shooting 50% from the floor, but the Grizzlies forcing 16 turnovers for 24 points. That was decisive there. Grizzlies get back to 500. They beat the Kings 124 to 110. Then the Grizzlies come home to start a four-game homestand, and it's going to be four in five nights uh, with really, really questionable weather. Uh, we're uh, As this is being recorded, I'm, I'm looking out the window and no snowflakes at the moment, but they are predicted for today. So um, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we can get safely to the arena and get the games called for you on Fox Sports Southeast. But on Tuesday night, nationally televised game, it was on Turner, and um, the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans came to town, and right now they just, they just simply own the Grizzlies. That's the bottom line on this. Again, the Grizzlies got out to a lead. They led it by as many as 11. Pelicans with a strong second and third quarter, and fourth quarter for that matter, uh, they record the Grizzlies' highest Opponents' points allowed, 144 points. You might remember last year, uh, San Antonio had 145 in that game where they shot like 70%. Well, the Pelicans didn't shoot that well, they, but they did shoot 62% and an even 50% from three, 19 of 38 from three. And Zion Williamson, well, you, I know that a lot of Grizzlies fans don't like the fact that he gets quite as much attention as he does. He really is a phenomenal player. And uh, 31 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 steals. He was really special against the Grizzlies on Tuesday night. And uh, so a game-high 31 from him. Josh Hart had his best game of the season and only 3 points off his career-high. 27 points off the bench for the Pelicans. 6 of 11 from downtown. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies bench... Again, uh, DeAnthony Melton not available to the team. Desmond Bain also remaining away from the team. Brandon Clark, uh, his second game back, he also played in the Sacramento game, had just eight points off the bench. Grizzly shot 48%, 42% from three, 89% from the free throw line. 
uh, you know, normally that, that's going to win you some ball games. The real issue with the Grizzlies now is their defense. And the Pelicans shoot 62%, and they blow the Grizzlies out, leading at one point by as many as 34. 144-113 the count, and the Grizzlies fall below 500 to 11-12. and 12. Grizzlies on uh, Wednesday night, they have the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is up next for them. So that was the week that was. And with that, we transition now to Petey's points. Um, obviously, the New Orleans Pelicans game, that was that was a giant thud for the Grizzlies. Uh, they were brought to earth. They felt really good about how well they played against a Sacramento team that at moments has been fantastic and at moments has been just absolutely bad, particularly on the defensive end. Having said that, the Grizzlies, when you look at the quality of their wins, they're top five in terms of um, high-quality wins. The teams that they have beaten have a winning percentage over 500. You look at San Antonio, two wins over San Antonio, and San Antonio may be surprising a lot of people, but the Grizzlies, two wins over a good San Antonio team, two wins over a good Brooklyn team. Now, understand that uh, you know Durant and Irving did not play in either of those games, but it still counts uh, as a couple of wins against a, a, a winning basketball team. Grizzlies also a home win over Philadelphia and a home win over Phoenix, and Phoenix also proving to be a good team this year. So the Grizzlies have had their moments where they have been able to handle their business against some of the better teams in the league. The flip side, of course, 0-3 against the Lakers. That's to be expected with this young team where there are games that regardless of the opposition, they show up, they play well, they play with force, they play with pace, they play with strength. And then there are games like last night against the New Orleans team that came in at 11 and 15, and the Grizzlies were, were, were run off the floor, particularly uh, after the first quarter. So have had some quality wins. The strength of victory for the Grizzlies is well above uh, 500. So that's something to be encouraged about, um, despite the fact that the Grizzlies themselves now are a game below 500. Next, Petey's point. Well, Jonas Valanciunas is coming back from the health and safety protocol absence. Uh, he, he was quiet on Tuesday night against Stephen Adams and the New Orleans Pelicans, only 10 points for Jonas. But even factoring that in, in the last six since coming back from the health and safety protocols, he's averaging basically 20 and 11 and shooting 65% from the floor and also shooting 80% plus from the free throw line. And in the first part of the season, uh, Jonas really struggled from the free throw line. So, uh, you know, and, and I don't think that it's any coincidence that John Morant's numbers have gotten much better since Jonas Valanciunas has been back, and, and not merely the assist numbers for Ja, although those are very strong, but just his overall game. I, you know, we, we always talk about Tyus Jones and his synergy with Brandon Clark, but you have to think that there's also some synergy uh, between John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas. And uh, the last six games, both of those guys have played very, very well. So coincidence? I, I think not. Next, Petey's point. Uh, I know that I've hit this several times during the course of uh, the podcast, just talking about the All-Star game that is being proposed and apparently is going to come off in Atlanta. Uh, they are going to have some ancillary events, pregame and halftime, whether it's the three-point shootout and, and, and some of the other things that they normally would have, just trying to truncate everything into a very, very short time period. Essentially, the NBA is trying to create a mini-bubble 
in Atlanta, where anybody who is going to participate has to come in on private transportation. Uh, basically, you're going to come in on private transportation, you're going to stay at the hotel, you're going to go to the arena, and then you're going to go back to your team. And you have to get back to your team uh, at least a couple of days before their first scheduled game. So there are protocols in place. And the mayor of Atlanta is saying, fans, don't even bother coming here. Don't come to Atlanta. We don't want to turn this into a super spreader event. Um, again, I hear the players unease about this, and there is obviously the undercurrent that this is being done for the money. It is also done not for the it's being done for the money, yes, but there's an underlying factor here, and that is that the NBA All Star Weekend is is basically a Turner property, and Turner is a valued broadcast partner of the NBA, and if you take that game away. You know, then do you have to go back and have to start looking at some of these contracts? Bottom line, the largest generator of revenue for the NBA, even more than ticket sales, is going to be television rights. And this is a situation where, you know, if you if you had your druthers, maybe you don't have an all-star game. But this is a situation where you're trying to, uh, you know, work with Turner as best you can. Uh, the NBA is, is trying to provide something for their fans. They're trying to generate fan interest. They're trying to generate content. Um, like I said, I understand the players' unease with it, but I also understand the NBA's position and Turner's position that that they're looking for programming, and this would be compelling programming in uh, in the middle of a winter that you know where half the country is uh, the victim of a polar, polar vortex. So I get it. Um, I just hope that nothing bad comes out of it because that leads me to the final. PD's point, and that is that the virus still runs the league. Uh, we just got word within the last day or so that now four San Antonio Spurs have tested positive. They're in the midst of the rodeo road trip. They're being quarantined in Charlotte. Uh, they're going to have a string of games postponed. And, you know, games being postponed this late in the first half of the season are going to have to be made up in the second half of the season. The Grizzlies had six postponed. Only one of those is able to be made up in the first half of the season. So uh, the second half schedule is going to be very, very compressed for the Grizzlies. The Oklahoma City game on Wednesday night, that's a game that has been added. It's the only game really that could be added because the rest of the first half of the season, the Grizzlies are playing every other day. And um, so the virus still runs the league. And uh, for those of you that are out there, if you can get a vaccination, if you're eligible, please go ahead and do it. Please mask up. Please distance. Please be safe. Uh, because things do seem to be better on many fronts, but the bottom line is the virus still runs the league, and the virus uh, in some ways is still running the country. So uh, those are the PD's points for today. And uh, with that, we're going to move on, and uh, we're going to open up the mailbag and see what the mailbag has. But before we do that, we'll tell you that, you know, if there's one thing that you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? Well, if the answer is yes, Here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so don't delay. Join the movement. Become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message is brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. Framing consultations by appointment, 901-685-7796. Garner Framing is committed to your safety as well as quality framing and so that's why they're doing the framing consultations by appointment at 901-685-7796 all right well uh we're running a little long on time here so i'm just going to answer one question i'm going to keep some of these for a future edition of the mailbag uh the, the question that i got one of the questions i got was the biggest prize 
I think the biggest surprise for the Grizzlies, frankly, is the game of Desmond Bain. Um, when the Grizzlies drafted him or made the trade to uh, get him from Boston, who technically drafted him, everybody was thinking, well, you're a good three-point shooter, and, and this is why you got him. And that's certainly a, a valid uh, interpretation of that. But what we've seen from Desmond Bain is a guy that thinks the game very well on both ends of the floor. He's tough. He's physical. He's willing to defend. He's willing to do the dirty work. And, yes, he can hit threes. And, um, you know, if he keeps up at this pace, he may break the rookie record for three-point percentage, which is currently held by Anthony Morrow. So he's been very, very good. I I think, you know, we figured that he would be good, uh, that he would be a contributor and, and would be uh, a rotation player, particularly with the Grizzlies missing as many bodies as, as they have missed this year. But um, under any circumstances, I think Desmond Bain has proven himself to be a, a legitimate NBA player and uh, somebody that I think is going to, when they name the all-rookie team, I think is, is going to be on there. So kudos to the front office for uh, another great pick. Um, the other question I got, uh, have you ever – come too close to saying hammer nail coffin and the Grizzlies almost losing the game. Uh, I do not recall one. I am very, very conservative in pronouncing hammer nail coffin. In fact, there are some times that Brevin Knight will write on a piece of paper with a Sharpie, uh, HNC, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, because he wants me to say it. And I just haven't found the right, uh, the right moment to insert it. And uh, yeah, I'm very conservative about that. That's the last thing I want to do is say hammer nail coffin, this baby is over and it is not over and the Grizzlies end up with a loss. So uh, I'm I'm very conservative about that. Really haven't come close. Uh, So uh, and I hope I never do because I don't I don't I don't want the drama. Uh, So that's uh, what we got on our mailbag today. If you have more questions, my Twitter handle is at Pete Pranica and uh, you can follow me there and uh, send me a question and we'll answer it in a future edition of the mailbag. Now it's time for our friend of the program. Those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, which I certainly hope that you do because it is one of the very best sources of sports news and information anywhere on the web. Um, Omari Sankofa came to Memphis and was writing for The Athletic on the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, did a wonderful job, had a chance to spend some time with him. Uh, He did an interview with me and with Brevin. Uh, last season to talk about broadcasting and our 10th anniversary uh, of being together as a broadcast team. Really good guy uh, from the Detroit area. And when the job opened up with the Detroit Free Press for him to be the Detroit Pistons beat writer, uh, obviously that was very attractive to him. So Omari Sankofa went back to Detroit, where he is currently the beat writer for the Detroit Pistons and the Free Press. Um, He thought it was going to be a real quiet week. Well, then uh, some news broke, and uh, so we'll talk about that and some other issues and get you updated on uh, what's going on with the Detroit Pistons, who will be in town to take on the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday night. Here's our friend of the program, Omari Sankofa. Omari, you probably thought this was going to be a nice, quiet week, and then all of a sudden the uh, the Blake Griffin news breaks. What is for for those who haven't been following along? Uh, what's going on with Blake Griffin and Troy Weaver, the general manager, and what are they trying to get done with Blake? Yes, uh, it's funny. I woke up yesterday and I thought it would be a chill day, and uh, yeah, that news comes out that Pistons and Blake Griffin are heading toward a uh, split uh, about three years after that uh, trade. So. Uh, definitely a little su- surprising, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, I think 
their new general manager, Trey Weaver, since he's come in, has been very aggressive in uh, putting this roster to, together. And uh, the Pistons, of course, are in year one of a, a rebuild. And you have a guy in Blake who will be 32 in March. Uh, he's making about $36 billion this season. He's uh, close to 39 next season. Uh, in the midst of a, a, a down year. And um, I think it would just be more beneficial for the Pistons to uh, use the playing time that he has for their for their, for their young guys. And he's also in a situation where the uh, Pistons are losing and, of course, he would like to win. So, um, you know, it, it definitely makes sense for, for both sides. But I think it says a lot that the Pistons are in a situation where um, I think a trade would be preferable if you could get something positive back for them. But also, it seems like there's a willingness from the Pistons to just buy them out. Um, maybe you save some money in the process and uh, just allow Blake to kind of pick his own destiny and and, and do what's best. So, um, yeah, I mean, de- definitely big news. It seems like for the Pistons, it's just been nonstop transactions since <laughs> November, and it's probably going to be that way until the deadline in March. Yeah, we'll we'll touch on the Derrick Rose deal in a minute. You know, everybody in Memphis really hated Blake Griffin when he was part of the Clippers because he he was this perceived as this Hollywood guy, which is kind of interesting for a guy from Oklahoma. And reading some of the clips of what's coming out of Detroit is that he really blended well with the Pistons ethos and and with that basketball team and that he will leave there being very highly regarded. What that that's what I'm reading. What are you getting? Because you have your finger on the pulse of that team as far as Blake Griffin and what he meant to this franchise. I think he will leave very highly regarded. Um, that 2018-19 season, uh, he was third team All NBA. He was an All Star. Uh, he had one of his best personal seasons um, in a while, and uh, he really just sort of laid his, his body down to get the Pistons into the playoffs. And um, you know, fans here they respect players who work hard. You know, they respect players who are very team first. And even though Blake Griffin didn't ask to be traded from the Clippers, he always handled himself very professionally here. Um, you know, he even even this year, uh, you know, with really nothing for him personally to gain. Um, right before training camp, he said, "Whatever the team wants me to do, you know, I'm going to to do it. And as long as I'm here in Detroit, I'm going to do what they ask of me. You know, and if that's being a veteran mentor, you know, helping the young guys in the locker room, I'm going to do that. And uh, he was a veteran mentor to these guys. Uh, the rookie Sadiq Bay, uh, reigning. Easter Conference player of, of the week. Um, after he got drafted, uh, I think they share an agency. And uh, uh, Sadiq flew out to LA to work out with Blake Griffin a few days after the draft. And, uh, you know, Sadiq was just talking about how meaningful that was to him to have a guy like Blake take him under his wing, just help him ease into the NBA, uh, help, help that transition. Uh, I, I think Blake is respected highly by fans here. And uh, this isn't the end. I know that. He wanted, you know, he wanted to get back this season. He wanted to be 100%. You know, he definitely wanted to help the Pistons compete again. But uh, that 2018-19 season is always going to go down, and I think fans will remember that for a long time. We're visiting with Amari Sankofa of the Detroit Free Press, formerly of The Athletic here in Memphis when he covered the Memphis Grizzlies. Does Blake, given all the knee injuries, and I know he's never going to be the high flyer, it's never going to be Lob City wherever he goes, but does health-wise, does he have anything in the tank? I think so. I think uh, he may not ever be that lead option type of player that he was previously. Um, and the Pistons did ask him to do a lot this season, and he just wasn't quite there. Uh, he could still pass. You know, he's still showing that he could shoot, um, you know, even though he is, he was sort of creating a lot of his own threes this season. And I think that's part of the reason why his uh, three point percentage is as low as it is right now. Uh, he could still play. You know, he could still post up. 
Um, he just cannot do these things quarter in and, and quarter out. And some of that may just be rust from missing a year of basketball. And some of it may just be that his D isn't where it needs to uh, be, you know, and he may just have to adjust to this new normal, but he can still play. Uh, he could definitely help a contending team. Um, I'm not sure exactly how involved his role will be uh, wherever he, he goes, but you know, whether it's just leading that second unit or maybe just playing off of one or two other players, uh, I still think he has a role in the NBA. Not going to be jumping over cars anytime in the near future in the dunk contest, I guess. The, uh, the other big deal is that Derrick Rose is now reunited with Tom Thibodeau in New York. Would I be correct in assuming that Troy Weaver, this is, this is part of the rebuild and, and acquiescing to Derrick's wishes to be reunited with Thibs? For sure. I think very similar to Blake. You have a guy who is in the back half of their career, uh, you know, came in and embraced their role, but at the same time, the Pistons are clearly trending in a very different direction uh, from what a guy like Derrick Rose would like, uh, you know, just in this stage. Uh, the New York Knicks are in the playoff hunt. You know, of course, he played for Tibbs in Chicago and then in, in Minnesota. So uh, just a very, you know, good, long-standing relationship there. And uh, it seems like this business front office really wants to do right by its, its veteran players. Uh, you know, they prioritize getting Derrick Rose to the Knicks and uh, they took back a second round pick of Dennis Smith, uh, you know, rather than wait until the, the deadline, the deal was there then. And it was a deal that Derrick Rose wanted. So they said, sure, we'll go ahead and do that. Um, you know, Troy seems like he's a very player friendly general manager. Uh, you know, of course he's renowned across the league for his ability to scout out talent and, uh, I think a priority right now is clearly sort of carrying that goodwill with guys who, uh, you know, he, he didn't sign, he didn't trade for, you know, those Derek Rose and Blake were here from the previous regime, but he still wants to do right by them. And uh, I think that's been a priority for him. Any further deals that you could foresee down the line? I mean, Wayne Ellington is a guy that you can never have too much shooting in the NBA and, and he's having a real good year. Is, is, is he a potential guy that could get moved out of Detroit before the deadline? I think so. Um, he's shooting, uh, last I checked, he's shooting around 45 or 46% from three. Uh, this is the best season of his career. Um, he's 33. Uh, you know, like like Blake and like Rose, he's embraced being a veteran guy. But at the same time, I think the Pistons would like to get an asset back for him if they can. And uh, for a rebuilding team, there's just not uh, much upside and carrying him into free agency. And then he signs for a contender anyway. So he might as well get something. So I think, I think there's a good chance that he could be moved. Uh, they have another guy in Rodney Magruder who um, his contract is not guaranteed this summer. So uh, if you want to facilitate a deal where you, uh, you know, bring in more salary than you send out and the team wants to save money, then I think he's a natural candidate for that. Um, and then you just have a couple of guys on the team who are playing really well. You know, I don't know if I would bet on them being moved, but I think that there would be interest at the deadline, uh, former Memphis Grizzly, DeLon Wright, who had right. like two triple doubles <laughs> that last week toward the end of the 2018-19 season. That's playing really well. Uh, he wants to be here in Detroit, and you know I'm not sure if he'll be moved, but he is playing extremely well right now. And I saw a report the other day that uh, the Sixers, who he's a point guard, were interested in him. So, yeah, they, they have a few guys on his roster who you know seems like they could have some positive value uh, once this deadline ends in March. One guy that would clearly be untouchable would be Sadiq Bey. You touched on him reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, with the Grizzlies being in the West, you don't see the East that often. We really haven't had a chance to take a look at him. Give us a sense of, of his game and how he has fit in in Dwayne Casey's squad. I mean, he's a shooter. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that, as soon as he gets his feet set, you know, he's immediately a, a threat. Um, 
I, I was surprised the Pistons were able to get him at 19. Uh, you know, I was doing mock drafts up until the draft, and I think I had him consistently going in the lottery. And uh, I know a lot, a lot of other people did too. So Pistons swooped in to grab him. Uh, yeah, the dude could just shoot. I mean, he had uh, a game last week. I think this was a game that really helped him get that player of the week honor. Um, seven for seven from three. Uh, you know, he was the first, I believe he was the first rookie in NBA history to take at least seven threes and not miss. So, um, he, he's also shown that he can play make a little bit. Uh, he's shown that he can defend a little bit. You know, he's starting to find, you know, his comfort level when he's inside the three-point arc, whether that's posting up or uh, hitting t- turnaround jumpers. Uh, he really does have a, a versatile game. And, uh, you know, I think at the very least, he could be one of the best 3 and D players the Pistons have had. I've always been a big Dwayne Casey fan. I thought he got short shrift in Minnesota and then again in Toronto. Um, And obviously this is a rebuilding situation. Does Troy Weaver see Dwayne Casey as the guy to lead them through the rebuild? And does Dwayne Casey want to go through a rebuild? I think Dwayne does. I think, uh, and I think that Dwayne has a great relationship with uh, Troy Weaver. Um, Dwayne said the other week, you know, when he first joined the Pistons a few years ago, uh, you know, of course that was that first full, uh, Blake season uh, after they, they parted ways with uh, Stan Van Gundy and uh, you know Dwayne had just won coach of the year with the Toronto Raptors and he came into a situation here in Detroit where it looked like they would be competing for more uh, you know playoff appearances and clearly that hasn't happened you know they had to win in 2019 and then injuries kind of derailed that but uh, he said he's having fun um, you know I think Dwayne always has enjoyed coaching young players developing young players I had a reputation for doing that when he was in Toronto. Uh, you look at all the young guys they have now. I mean, he was coaching Fred Van Fleet. Uh, you know, he coached Kyle Lowry earlier in his career. Uh, you know, he's always been that, that type of coach. Uh, you know, a little old school, a little tough love, you know, but also uh, he says a lot that he likes the underdog and he likes uh, helping guys get to where they need to go. Um, you know, I think he has a respect for his players here on this team. Uh, you know, I think you know, Troy believes in Dwayne's ability to develop talent. And um, and as long as Dwayne, you know, is is along for this this ride, you know, this this rebuild ride, and he's embracing developing these guys, I think he'll he'll, he'll be here. And it seems like it's something he's really enjoying. Uh, you know, it's a really good group of guys. The Pistons only have eight wins, but they really have only had a few bad losses. They've been in almost every single game this season, and uh, now they're actually finding some momentum. They've won three of, the, of their last four games, so. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's been a, a unique season for Dwayne, much different circumstance than what he came in for, but he's he's embraced it so far. And he would have coached DeLon Wright, I guess, too, in, in Toronto as well. DeLon, a former Memphis Grizzly. You got another another former uh, – another one there in, in Josh Jackson. Uh, yeah. Josh, Josh had his moments in Memphis, and then in the bubble in Orlando was, was virtually invisible. What has his season been like in Detroit? I mean, he's just been ag- aggressive. You know, he's he's playing like he wants to, to prove himself. He's averaging like 18 points a game, but it's not seven games. Uh, he's getting to the rim a lot, like where he's ever gotten to the rim ever in his career. Um, you know, still, you know, driving as a secondary playmaker. Uh, you know, we saw flashes of this, you know, last year when, you know, he did play with the uh, Grizzlies, which really, he, you know, after that G League stint, I think he was really only with the team for maybe about a month before everything shut down. So, uh, maybe if that didn't happen, he would have been able to close the season a little bit stronger. Because, um, like like you said, he didn't really show a lot in the bubble. But uh, he's been a different player this season. I think he's having the best year of his career. Um, you know, he's from Detroit, so obviously there's some um, motivation there for him. Uh, you know, to uh, perform for his whole time team. 
And he really does seem to be enjoying being with the Detroit business. Uh, he's made some mistakes in the past. He also hasn't always been in a situation that uh, maximized his 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 nat- natural talents. Um, you know, the, the Grizzlies. You know, of course they put him in the G League, and maybe for him that was a wake up call. Like, you know, this is, um, you know, if I don't if I don't improve and do what I need to do, uh, you know, this opportunity could disappear. Um, you know, so that's how he's approached this season, and he's been really good. Visiting with Amari Sankofa of the Detroit Free Press, formerly of The Athletic in Memphis. Um, obviously, the pandemic has just turned everything on its head. Uh, we're not doing games from the venue uh, on the road, and when we're doing them from home, we're doing them from you know halfway up the Arena Bowl. How has it impacted your work with the Detroit Free Press as the beat writer and really not being able to have the face-to-face contact with players? Yeah, so when I first took this job with the free press to move back home, um, I think it was like to say that it's kind of kind of funny. Like when you take a job, you sort of map out the rest of your year, right? You're like, okay, I have two weeks of the season left, you know, and then you know there would be a little bit off season, and then summer league, and then combine this and that. Um, and none of that happened. You know, there was like a period from like you know April, May, June, July when uh, you know I just had at, at home. And yeah, it, it definitely made the job, you know, a little bit of a unique challenge toward the beginning there. Uh, and then, you know, of course, the Pistons go and they get a new general manager and almost an entirely new roster as well. So uh, it, it, it does make it a little tougher uh, reporter when you can't really get to know people the way you usually do. I mean, you know, whether it's in the locker room talking to players or just from the press conferences uh, after practices or even just in the media room getting to know uh, the different people with the 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 team, the broadcast. No, it's been fine. You know, I think Pistons PR has been really good about helping us us media folks, uh uh, which I'm absolutely grateful for. And uh you know, I think the hope for, you know, not not just me, I'm sure for you and everybody else as well is that uh, hopefully the two twenty one, twenty two season is a normal season that we can get back on the road and, you know, get back to doing the, the things that make this job uh, you know, fun, gratifying. Uh, you know, it's just been nice having basketball back. You know, I think the league, uh, you know, is doing its best to kind of, to keep every, everybody safe, and uh, cases are, are are dropping. So, fingers crossed. You know, next time we 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 do this, it'll it'll be <laughs> not via Zoom, but uh, yeah, in person thing. Sounds good, Omari. Thank you so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Pete. And we thank Omari Sankofa for being today's friend of the program and updating us on uh, what's going on with the Detroit Pistons. And that will be the Grizzlies' opponent coming up on Friday. So just to give you a quick recap, Grizzlies on Wednesday at home against the Thunder. Then they go back-to-back, Friday at home against the Pistons, and then Saturday night at home against the Phoenix Suns before they travel to Dallas on Monday the 22nd. So a jam-packed week for the Grizzlies and uh, dodging snowflakes and icy roads. And uh, so it's been more than a bit of a challenge for the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizz Weekly Grind has been brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com, and you can also follow them at Twitter at HoopCityBC, as they say. It's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. And this special announcement... 
The Hoop City Basketball Club is offering a coupon code for $55 off the Hoop City Basketball Club Spring League registration fee. The coupon code is PETE, P-E-T-E. Enter PETE in the coupon code box at checkout and you'll get $55 off your registration at HoopCityBC.com. That does it for episode 14 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.